Hey everyone, we appreciate you listening. We'll get into the show in a bit, but just want to mention, go check out our Twitter page, at Midcourt Madness, for all of our show updates, as well as some breaking news tweets. Also, check out our website, where we post all of our writing at midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Here's the show. On today's Midcourt Madness, three out of the four teams have already punched their tickets to the Final Four, and North Carolina is currently attempting to hold on to their late lead, but anything can happen here, Vegas. Did, did, like, did you see their game last weekend against Baylor? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so we will recap all of this weekend's games right after this. All right, Biggs, there's been plenty of storylines from this weekend. For example, there's only one number one seed making to the final four. That is Kansas. Um, Purdue gets upset by St. Peter's and St. Peter's, like I said, in the intro is currently in a dogfight with uh, three minutes left against North Carolina. Um, Villanova makes it to the final four, but they lose Justin Moore late to what looked like an Achilles injury. And then uh, Duke makes a final four um, in the season before John Shire takes over. So which one should we touch on first? Oh, it does seem like we're headed towards UNC Duke. I mean, we'll see. Uh, St. Peter's. Are you for it or are you against it? Yeah, I texted you last night and I said, um, what did I say again? What's the saying that I always say? Oh, if uh, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. That's a a classic Joker line. Yeah, I. Obviously, I watched that movie. Um, and, you know, I watched that Michigan State game from last, I believe it was last Sunday. They they came close to beating Duke and, you know, ending K's career, but ended up losing. Texas Tech, you know, had their moments, um, were a little sloppy at times, and so, so they lose to Duke as well. And then Arkansas, just they couldn't really get much going offensively last night, so uh, they also lose to Duke, setting up a Duke-Carolina rematch. So, I mean, if anyone's going to knock them off, why not us, right? Why not? I guess, yeah. It's uh, uh, assuming we beat St. Peter's here. It's just looking like it's just looking super inevitable here that Duke is going to win the national championship. I think that's that's my big takeaway here from Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight action. Duke, uh, you know, you you talked about this when Arizona beat TCU, and it was they had to basically gut out the win. And every team that wins the championship has to basically pull one, pull the rabbit out of the hat. Yep, and. I think Duke, that was that was Texas Tech. That was the Texas Tech game for Duke. I, I think it was the Michigan State game for Duke, actually. It might have been the Michigan State yeah. game, too. They, they, they were they, fight in that one, too. Yeah. So are there any teams that haven't had that game? North Carolina's had that game. You could argue two of them with the UCLA and the Baylor game. Um. Uh, just today, Kansas, uh, they, Kansas were, had, they, Kansas they, they were down game. the entire first half. Today yep. against Miami, Miami they had it with Creighton where it wasn't pretty. Yep. And then who's who's the team I'm leaving off? Villanova, where it wasn't pretty. Yeah. And then Villanova has Villanova had that game yet? I feel like I feel like they were in control against Michigan. Um, it feels like they don't. Yeah, they don't win by a lot, but it just feels like they're in control of every single game, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. So they beat, they beat Ohio State, but even that game, they. I mean. I don't know. They were up by like a dozen. Ohio State got it close, but I think even even then there was just never a panic. 
So yeah. all but Villanova have, has had that game. So unless if Villanova has that game against Kansas and wins, they're not going to win at all. Yeah. I mean, just that sucks. The Justin Moore injury, doesn't that just – that takes a lot of the – I don't know. That just takes a lot of the enthusiasm out of that one for me too. That's such a, that's such a bummer. It's a team that, you know, we've talked about like depth is kind of overrated. And I think this, this tournament is proving the team's advancing play basically six to seven guys. Like the only team that really plays anybody with depth is St. Peter's. Like uh, you look at the Ken Palm, like depth rankings, a lot of the teams that are ranking really low. There's a depth depth ranking. Yeah. There's like a, there's like a, there's a stat in there where it's like percentage of minutes played by the bench. Um, Teams that teams that rely on that bench don't generally haven't done much in this tournament. I mean, the t- depth is we've talked about it. This is an impact of the transfer portal. Depth is not a thing that teams want anymore because that just means guys are going to transfer eventually. But yeah. when it when it bites you in the ass is when you're at Villanova and you play six guys and one of them tears his Achilles in the Elite Eight. Now you don't have time to come up with a plan B because you haven't developed any of that depth. Yeah, and you know Duke and Carolina both employ about a six-man rotation for Duke. It's uh, Roach, Wendell Moore, um, Griffin, Paolo, and Mark Williams at starting, and then Keel's coming off the bench. And then Carolina, it's uh, RJ, it's uh, Caleb Love, it's like Leaky, Armando, and Manic, and then either like Dontre Styles or Puff Johnson coming off the bench. Um, occasionally Justin McCoy, but should we just hop into that one here quick? Like, what? What? Actually, no, we're not doing we're not doing Final Four previews yet. We're re- we're recapping games here. Um, which team we'll looked re- more impressive kind of, this I mean, weekend? We, we recap slash preview Final Four stuff. I mean, the Final Four is set. We are we've down to four teams now. Uh there's still a minute left in this game, Biggs. I- I'm trying to be that overly worried fan. You know, you're usually the overly positive fan. Yeah. After that Baylor game, that just went away. That's that we won that game. But after like giving up that late lead, it just has jaded you. Yes, so much. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was rare. That was that was one of those where the depth again. You take away two starters, and uh, UNC hasn't developed any depth. They play six guys, and two of them, two of them were out for the final ten minutes of that game. <laughs> All right, Sorry, so Duke, <laughs> Duke in the last three games. Duke in the last three games. Let's just let's just start with Duke. It's the biggest story. Uh, Coach K is in the Final Four in his final season. He's going to play North Carolina one final time, and they've they. I, I don't know about you. I don't know how you cannot. I don't know how you can watch this tournament and come away thinking that Duke isn't anything but the the easy favorite to win the whole thing right now. They're, they're just they've always had the talent. We've talked about this all year. They've got a ton of talent. Talent has never been the shortage. They just don't really play like a team. Uh, I don't know how much they play like a team right now. I mean, they're they're probably playing more like a team, but I just think they're so they're so damn talented. They're shooting in their last three games against Michigan State, Texas Tech, and Arkansas. They've shot fifty seven percent, fifty two percent, and fifty five percent from the field uh, against three teams that pride themselves on the defensive end of the floor. They're shredding these teams, and it just seems like there's not a you just don't have an answer and there just isn't another team that there just aren't a lot of teams that can like go shot for shot with them. And and you're running into a problem here. Like you can't, you can only stop so many guys and it seems like 
you, you can't get enough stops. But then Duke doesn't have a great defense, but some of these teams left in the field just don't – they're just not capable of, of gunning with them. You know what I mean? And so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've just come away feeling very inevitable that Duke is going to win the whole thing just because their talent uh, has risen to the top here. Yep, and while you're talking there, the final did go official here. North Carolina officially is in the Final Four. Um, I'm happy to say that now. But back to Duke, like you said, they're uber-talented. They have um, – Jeremy Roach has been great lately. He had a clutch shot against Michigan State. He had a couple clutch shots against uh, Texas Tech. Mark Williams is a guy who – he's basically – he would fit in well in a Roy Williams system. He's a guy who just like plays good defense. He gets a ton of boards. He gets a bunch of putbacks. For him, the best offense for him is a missed shot from Jeremy Roach or someone else. Which um, apparently never happens anymore. Apparently not. Um, Paolo, obviously, he's got the star power. Wendell Moore, you know, he'll chip in buckets wherever he can. Um, Keel's coming off the benches. I, I, I like how they did that because um, originally when they inserted A.J. Griffin into the starting lineup, I think – did they ever do it where Mark Williams was, was coming off the bench? Or was it just Jeremy Roach at first? I think it was just Roach. I mean, they basically have played that – that six-man rotation is basically what they play. And then Theo right. John plays like eight to ten minutes a game off the bench is just kind of an enforcer. Yep. But, I mean, that that's basically your six – all six of those guys basically play 25 to 35 minutes. Yep. And then to your point about uh, their defense, and I think I texted this to you the other night. Like, they're – according to the analytics, they're not that great of a defense. But Duke has – for fa- and like it's, this isn't just this year, but like the past five, ten years, they can pick like a five-minute segment of any basketball game and just completely shut you down. Like they are up in your grill every time. And like if you uh, say if you're like dribbling against them and like you, they, you get them to back off a little, they should like start clapping or and like get in your head, and they can do that. Yeah, they can. And they've got. I mean, this Duke team is not like typical. It's more like a North Carolina team. We've talked about that. They're huge. I mean, they have a ton of size, right? I mean, Mark Williams, obviously, there's not a lot of seven-footers just roaming, roaming the paint. Boncaro at 6'10 and 250, I mean, he's big and strong. Uh, Wendell Moore and A.J. Griffin and Trevor Keels are all, like, 6'5 to 6'7 and, like, solidly built. Like, they're big enough to probably play, like, you know, the four for a lot of teams. And even Ro- I mean, Roach is kind of small, but, like, you know, Theo John, a-, a massive human being. Like, they've got a big, long, athletic team. So you're right. Their their defensive metrics. Do you remember what they were to start the tournament? Weren't they in like the 60s, like 68, 70? Uh, Duke on defense. I think yeah. it's yeah, like I want to say like 58. That rings a bell to me. They're, They're up to 46. 46. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So and th- th- that shows you like when they when they basically want to play hard and they want to lock in. They're kind of like an NBA team, right? Where they 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 all season it feels like they bring kind of inconsistent effort, but. When they want to lock in and play really tough defense, um, they've obviously got the talent to do so. Yeah, and then, I mean, you saw, you know, just last night against Arkansas, J.D. Notte didn't have a terrible game, but definitely, like, if they wanted to win, J.D. Notte had to have, like, 20-plus on about 15 field goals, field goal attempts. Um, he had 14 on 14 attempts, which isn't terrible. Um, but yeah, Duke punches their ticket, and, you know, have you been noticing on Twitter, like just the back and forth between Duke and Carolina fans about, oh, Duke has had an easy route. Oh, no, North Carolina has a, had an easy route. I haven't noticed that, I guess. I'm you not, haven't? I'm not on Twitter oh, I love it. Stuff. I'm sure it's out there, yeah. I love it. Um, but no, they will, uh, they will play North Carolina, who gets the 
two wins this weekend, one against UCLA, one against uh, St. Peter's just now. And we should have known this was going to happen, Biggs. Coach K's final year, these two teams have never met in the tournament ever. And they will meet um, They will meet in the Final Four. Like, the, the, the script just writes itself, Biggs. Couldn't have scripted it better, right? Yeah. And, you know, like I said, North Carolina gutted out a good win against UCLA. UCLA led most of that game, but Caleb Love in the second half. Like, that that's forever going to be known as a Caleb Love game. Yeah, it's like the Caleb Love. That's just like the Caleb Love experience, man. Like, he is going to keep shooting. He's going to shoot. He's going to shoot. He's going to shoot some more. He can miss. I guess one thing that you can, like, be uh, – that maybe you can, like, take as, like, a skill for that kid is, like, he's like a corner in the NFL where, like, he gets burned – and, like, the very next play, if the pass gets 20 yards, like, overthrown his wide receiver, he's still the guy doing, like, the incomplete, like, yup, see, I got you locked up. Like, he has uh, he has the ultimate green light in his head. He yeah. has an incredibly short memory. He doesn't care if he misses the first 10 or 12 shots. And I feel like in the first half, didn't he have, he had three points. And, yeah. uh, I don't know how many and shots. I, I, I think it was half. one of eight. One of eight in the first half. One of eight. For three points, he finished. He finished with 30. 11 of 24 for 30 points. That's, like, 10 of. 16 in the second half. Um, I'm not sure how many of those. Five of those would have been threes because I know his one shot in the first half was a three. So because uh, he was six to 13 for the game from yeah, three I mean, point he, range. Just the fact that he can go and get after a one of eight start, like he's not afraid to just keep shooting. The dude is going to keep shooting. And, and I guess part of that is that Carolina only plays five guys. One of, one of the five guys they play is a, is a non-offensive player and leaky black. He's not going to shoot the ball. And so someone just has to shoot it. Right, Armando Baycott can't just go and create his own shot. Manic, for the most part, isn't really a create-your-own-shot guy. So a lot of that Caleb Love just they part of it's necessity. I, I think yep. it, it it feeds really nicely into the way he plays because that is like it feels like very much the way he wants to play. But also like that's also the way that they need him to play. So you know you're gonna have to live with that, and and they need that. You know, and the issue with Caleb Love for for Carolina people. Uh, he's driven me absolutely insane. He's been one of my least favorite players over the last two years. Here's here's the question. Was that Sweet 16 game worth the last two years of just annoyance that Caleb Love has brought you? No. Still not worth it? No, and like it's funny. I was just As you are just speaking there, I'm thinking like all the times that you watch Caleb Love and you're sitting there thinking like after any particular shot, why did he take that? That second half, that second half, that second half is why he's taking those shots. Because like, he, he's never seen a shot he doesn't like. Like, like you said, he doesn't focus on the first ten that he missed. He he focuses on the next one that he could possibly make. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> and we were texting during the game, and like, and I know you were behind me, probably like 30, 45 seconds. And, you, and I I knew that was going on. And he had like back to back possessions late where he hit a three, and you. You text me once, you're like, wow. And then I text you right back right away. I was like, wait until next possession. <laughs> Some of them are just absolutely absurd, too. I mean, they were very, uh, you know, it's, it's fitting that they were like very Johnny Juzang last year esque, right? Where some of the shots that Johnny Juzang was taking last year to get UCLA to the final four were, were just absurd, right? Shots that were contested. Like, this man has no business taking the shot. And like a, a coach, some coaches would probably pull your ass, but even if you make it, Caleb was taking a lot of those kind of shots. And, and they fell for him against UCLA, and I mean they needed it because you know they, they they've gotten a guy to step up basically in every every one of their games so far in this tournament. R.J. Davis had a big game, Caleb Love had a big game, Brady Mannix been been really good basically the entire tournament. He's struggling against UCLA, but um, 
it does seem like they've got guys who are just capable of, of delivering in a, in a big moment. I don't, I don't think they have the juice to, to beat Duke a second time, but you know, if Caleb Love can, can uh, have one of those Caleb Love kind of games, what, what, per, all right, let's do a percent chance here. Uh, you know, that Caleb Love has a, has another similar game to, to what he had in the sweet 16. Or do you think he's more likely to go like four for 17 with nine points and like five turnovers? Percent percent on boomer bust basically for Caleb Love in the final four. I'm trying to think about this because like the thing is, he's had these types of games against Duke. He gets up for Duke for sure. Yeah, he gets up. I don't know if I don't think it was quite I'm not sure how the second game. I know the first game this year he didn't get up for Duke, but the first two, um his the freshman second year. Game he, did. He, was, he was really good defensively. He didn't shoot it well at all, okay. but he was really good defensively. I'm gonna go fifty fifty. All right. That's some serious yeah. faith. I dig yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, that game, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. And like, I feel like the game, like that final game of the regular season was really like the turning point for North Carolina in that, um, I remember you texted me basically saying if Davis and love play like this, they're, they can play with anyone in the country Yep. and they've been playing a lot better lately. And yeah. now they are in the final four. Yeah. I don't know what their, what their turnover numbers here in the term minus that Baylor game where they just couldn't stop turning the ball over, but that was, you take away one of your point guards. Well, their turnover numbers, I think, have been really good. Like against St. Peter's, uh, it was late in the second half, and I feel like they had like four turnovers or something like that. Like very, very good ball security. They had eight turnovers against St. Peter's. That's a that's a good number. If Carolina can stay under that, like in that single digit range of turnovers, I think you've got a chance. When they beat Duke, you know that was that was their their big win. They beat Duke. How many turnovers did they have? I'm gonna look this up right now. Hopefully, ESPN doesn't screw with me on this. They had five turnovers. So it's pretty good. Yeah, and, and with the with the tempo they play at, the pace they play, um, you know, if you can keep the turnovers under ten, you you see when they run good offense, they get good shots. I mean, Baycott, Baycott, man, I mean, they have the weapons. We've talked about this. They they can get good shots, and they've got quality shot makers. As long as they take care of the ball and don't, I think, get too impatient. I mean, offensively, they're they're good enough to pile up points. It's impressive. It's it's impressive that they are the worst. Offensive team remaining in the final four, too. That's crazy mm-hmm. to me. Duke's one, Kansas seven, Nova nine, Carolina 18. No, I mean, Ca- Carolina offensively is – is they're absolutely good enough to, to put up big point numbers and, and hang with, with a team like Duke. They're one of the teams that – I was saying earlier, Duke, their offense is just – they're insane. They're number one in offensive efficiency. And the remaining teams, Kansas seven, Nova nine, Carolina is the worst of the bunch at 18. But they put up 90 on Duke earlier. So it's going to take – I don't think – you know, I don't think um, – I, I know that number for Villanova, their ninth in offensive efficiency. I, I just don't think – like the way they beat Houston, 50-44, to 44, you're not going to beat Duke in that in that kind of game. You have no. to score probably in the 70s uh, or, or, you know, high 70s to, to probably beat them. It's just going to take a lot of points because they're so good offensively. And I think that does fit from a stylistic standpoint with Carolina. Do I think they'll do it? Absolutely not. Uh, I'd go like 85% chance Duke, but maybe that's my emotional hedge. Okay, so uh, let me ask you this. Do you expect this game between Duke and North Carolina to be more like their first matchup this season or the second matchup this season? I expect it to be more like the second matchup this season. Okay. Where it's it's contested most of the way. 
Okay. So, yeah. And yeah, I can definitely see that. It's going to be a dogfight. And, you know, for both of these teams, if you can't get up for this rivalry, you just don't even deserve to be in this round. Um, so I do think that they're going to, you know, they're going to come out swinging. They're going to, and the team that's going to win is one that could take the punch and, you know, return a punch and win the game. But I do both, expect. Both these, both these teams have shown they can do that. Yep. Right? I mean, Duke's been on, Duke's been on the ropes now against Michigan State and Texas Tech. They really controlled that game against Arkansas. But I mean, those th- both those teams kind of brought a physicality to that game and punched them in the mouth proverbially, right? And 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 Duke handled it. And Carolina obviously could have very easily wilted in the overtime of that Baylor game and fallen apart. UCLA, it felt like for about thirty minutes of that game, it really just kind of felt like UCLA was kind of toying with them and it's just wait till UCLA just starts making some shots. And and that never happened. And Carolina just hung around and then they finally down the stretch just kind of out executed them. Both the, both these teams have kind of grown up, I think, a lot in this tournament. Yep. All right. Let's uh let's go over to the other side of the bracket here. Um, Kansas also played today. They are the other team to punch a ticket. They beat Providence by five um, on Friday night, and the, the the luck for Providence ends, Biggs. It was sad to see. The luck is no more. Um, go luck yourself, like you always say. And then today, Miami was. In control that entire first half, and then Kansas said, "Nope, nope, this this isn't going to happen. We're going to win by twenty six here." That was an absolute dominant second half, didn't they? All, they all scored them like forty two to fifteen or something. It was four, yeah, forty seven fifteen. Like just a complete script change. What what happens in like a Kansas locker room at halftime to just energize the guys that much? I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's some curse words. I'm guessing it's not G-rated. Do you think? Here, here's what I think. I think Bill Self did the whole thing where like the coach doesn't even go to the locker room at halftime. They just sit in their office and like make the players argue with each other. You know what I mean? Make like the captains yeah. like start the conversation. Be like, guys, we're playing like dog shit. Let's change this. I wonder how much of it. At this point in the season, I just don't – I don't tend to think there is a whole lot of, like, coach screaming and yelling. It's probably just all strategizing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, at this point, you're not trying to motivate your kids. And it wasn't like they were getting smoked. I mean, they are down six. They just – they shot the ball really, really poorly in that first half. Um, you know, Miami wasn't necessarily in control. It was nip and tuck, basically, and Miami closed the last minute to take a six-point lead. But it wasn't like Kansas was playing poorly, necessarily. It was probably just – hey, here we need to make some subtle tweaks and adjustments and let's come out here and let's get this thing done. And, and a team like Kansas just feels like they are one of those one of those really good teams where once things start rolling and like snowballing, it, it feels like this happens more often when they're at home. And some of the good teams that happens, but it's just like when things start rolling, they can really snowball on you. And, and, that, and that really happened. I mean, the shots started going down. They start getting the offensive rebounds. I think they had a play where, McCormick got got just absolutely hammered in like transition and still somehow like bullshit finished the layup and got an and one. And it was like at that moment, it's like, all right, we can fork Miami like this. Th- when those kind of shots are going down, it's just over, you know, and, and I think those things just kind of build on themselves. Yeah. And then, you know, we've talked um, with Kansas a lot this year about, you know, the lack of uh, Remy Martin at times during the season. He's sort of a uh, he's a. He's one of the big transfer portal guys from the offseason. Go, goes to Kansas, expected to have a big year. Was he Big 12 preseason player of the year? Yeah, I think he was. I think he was. Um, yeah. Eventually, his role diminished quite a bit um, 
during like the midway point of the year. And lately he has just provided a nice little six man spark for them. And when you have that and you can add it to guys like McCormick, who you mentioned, Christian Brown and Oshaya Baji, you know, that's a final four recipe right there. Absolutely. I mean, he was, he was the, he was the big 12 player of the year in the preseason really never lived up to it. He had, he had some injuries, I think too, along the way. So he was he never at a hundred percent. That's probably a convenient excuse also for, for Bill Self. Cause there, there was a lot of, a lot of chatter about how those two were just kind of not uh, meshing, not but coexisting. He, was, he comes back and he was the region uh, most outstanding player. I mean, he comes off the bench and he's the region's most outstanding player today, you know, and he, he, he has given them a huge bunch. And I think it's, it's coupled with the fact that like the timing has been perfect because Abaji's struggling. He's playing really, really poorly here. And over the last couple of weeks, it feels like, I don't know if it's just that he's, he's wearing down or, or that he's just, he's missing some shots, but he's really, he's, he's really feeling it lately. It seems like he's not playing nearly as well. Um, today he had, today he had 18, you know, but, but against Providence, he had like six points or something. I mean, he was kind of a no-show. He struggled against Creighton. He struggled the Big Ten to, the Big Twelve tournament. He's been averaging like ten points a game over his last bunch of games, and so they've needed Remy Martin to really step it up and deliver. And, and he's been good. He had nine today with with six rebounds and two assists. But we've talked about this. I feel like with Remy Martin, it's more than just the scoring. Like he he had a reputation as kind of an empty calories, just kind of scorer type of guy. And, and I'm wondering how much of of like the the process for him this year has been. You better do all the other stuff because we're Kansas. We don't need you to come out here and just go get buckets. If you're going to play on this team, you have to actually contribute in other ways. I feel like he brings like the juice for them. And just like when he, when he's in the game, it feels like he's the perfect like change of pace back. You know what I mean? Like in football, you've got like the, 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 the heavy hitting kind of heavy running back. And then you, and then you bring in like the, uh, and then you bring in more of like your, your Darren Sproles kind of like jet, like water bug type. Like, I feel like Remy Martin is, like, a really good change of pace guy for them. Yeah, no, I would agree. And then on the other side, we have Villanova, who suffered a bad injury uh, yesterday. And I think I think everyone knew right away um, with Justin Moore. You could tell. Because, like, with the Achilles, doesn't it like sort of, like, ball up right away? Like, yeah, and that's what like exactly little... happened. Yeah. And um, it, it's a shame. It's sort of. It's getting close to sort of that garbage time moment where it's like, okay, we're getting close to, but like it's still only a few, still like a handful, you know, of point uh, point differential here, so we can't quite take these guys out. So it's quite a shame that he had to go through that. Um, for Villanova, though, they're going to have to rely. Who's going to have to step up for them? I know Brian Antoine's a guy who we've talked about. Who's he's had his injury? What was his first two years? Um, he didn't play at all against Houston. Um, did he play against Michigan? He played three minutes against Michigan. So he like, he might get some more minutes just off the bench there. I see uh, is it Caleb Daniels. Is that his first name? Yeah. Caleb Daniels. He's like he's like their main bench guy. So he's really going to he's going to step into that starting role, I would imagine. And he's going to have to uh, take over the lead there. And then there are other guys, um, Samuels, Gillespie, Dixon, they're all going to have to step up. And I, I can't count them out because this happened to them in the tournament a year ago with Gillespie and who is the other guy who got injured right before the tournament? Is Gillespie and one other guy? I don't remember who the other guy was, but I know Gillespie I, was out. Yeah, and they're still able to weather the storm there and get to the Sweet 16. So, like, they have shown that they can do it, and they're very Houston-y, and they, they can just plug. Like, if a guy gets hurt, um, they can just plug a guy in and just keep going. 
Well, they'll just score less points, but they'll just hold you to less points. I mean, they are Virginia. They play extremely slow. They want to win games in like the 50s and 60s now. And I, I honestly don't think like, I don't think they have a guy who's going to be able to step up. I, I think what they're going to do, John, is I think they're going to go iron five. I mean, I would be shocked if Gillespie plays less than 38 minutes. You know, I'd be shocked if Caleb Daniels plays less than like 37 minutes, barring like uh, barring a couple fouls or something. I mean, the only the only other guy that might not play like 35 to 40 minutes is Dixon, their big center. They might they might play like uh, he's a big dude, by the way. Yeah, he's, Mass- just a, he's, he, he's my massive man of the week. Yeah, he's just like a big physical big center type who's not going to play a ton. But then again, Kansas plays big, so he might just end up playing basically the whole game. The only other guy that might play like off the bench who might see some minutes it might be just RG Diacono. He, and he's he's like a come in for like six to ten minutes just to get somebody a blow. Yep. But you gotta think like in the tournament, you have like the every media timeout is like five minutes long. They they get a media timeout every four minutes. And unless it's the Carolina UCLA one where they actually did the thing where they skipped the media timeout, you know, these guys get long breaks every time. So I really don't think fatigue is at this point in the season, everybody's tired, but you know, it's not gonna be like a huge issue. I honestly, they're probably going to just go iron five here and just kind of grind it out as, as much as they can with, with those limited guys. And um, it takes away a little bit of their malleability because with Caleb Daniels coming off the bench, that allowed them to play small and, and be really effective. Cause he was kind of, he'd come in and they'd, they'd take Dixon out and you'd play Samuels basically as like a super small ball five with, with Slater and Daniels and more kind of on the wings. They can't do that now, unfortunately, and that, that was kind of a weapon for them, I feel like, but they're just going to have to play with a conventional group here and, and hope that they can get enough shots. Yeah, and you talked about Samuels. Um, he's a guy who – he was region player – or uh, how do they call – they say region player? It's the most region, outstanding region. player. That's wow. it. Um, but he's a guy who over the – like I'll just go the last three seasons, 10.7, 12 points per game, and 11.1. Um, but this tournament, he had, uh, you know, just five against Creighton. Um, wait, is that part of this tournament? No, that's right before the tournament. Uh, 15 against Delaware, 17 against Ohio State, 22 against Michigan, and 16 against Houston. And he's about the only guy who could score um, yesterday in that entire game. Um, I think the percentage is 29.8% from Houston, 28.8% for Villanova. But Samuels was, what, 60%? Yeah, six for ten. Yeah, sixty percent. So he's about the only one who could put the ball in the bucket yesterday in that game. Yeah, he's been he's been huge. I mean, remember, everybody was really fired up when him and uh, uh, when him and Gillespie really on like the first day of kind of feels like the first day of free agency when like early in the offseason last year, both those guys said, "Hey, we're coming back for a fifth year. We're opting back in. We're taking advantage of the COVID exception. We're coming back." And that had kind of triggered like, "Hey." Let's go. Villanova back up to the top. They're going to rank in the top five. I mean, he was a big deal. And obviously, Gillespie was going to garner more of that attention. But you can't discount what Jermaine Samuels is, uh, what, what he's meant to this team. His numbers haven't been as good this year. You know, he's scoring it right around the same, but his shooting percentages have, have dipped a little bit. God, he's a he's just a tough son of a bitch, though. I mean, he's like 6'7", and probably, what, 220? I don't know. Like, he's, he's a good, solid size kid. But, like, 15 years ago, that dude would have been a small forward. And now he plays he plays like five, probably half his minutes. I mean, he's just tough as nails. He's he's an effective player who's always just kind of been uh, like a third or fourth kind of option offensively. And he's he saved their ass here in the tournament. I mean, he's he was terrific against Michigan. Not only, you know, he dropped 22, he's guarding Hunter Dickinson. And Hunter Dickinson had, had a rough night. He had like 15 on 
maybe 16 shots or something. I mean, he was, he was awesome. That's not just him guarding him, but you get the idea. Like he was, he was terrific. And against Houston, like that's, that's the type of team that'll just wear you out and beat you up. And he, and he matched their physicality and you're right. I mean, offensively, it was a slog. He scored, he scored 16 points and really a game where Gillespie got him nothing. Justin Moore really struggled. Daniels really struggled with his shot. You know, Slater's really, he's kind of gone in the tank offensively for them after a really good start to his season, but they, they needed all of it. And so he he was terrific. Yeah. And so what do you see um, going forward? What do you see in this matchup between Villanova and Kansas? I know we talked about like how all it's, all these teams uh, don't have a ton of depth, um, but I think out of the four, I would say, you know, Kansas probably goes in their bench the most, um, you know, they go too deep in the bench, whereas these other teams go in one. Um, and then Villanova's with the Justin Moore is probably the most hurt as far as depth wise. So it's going to be, you know, interesting matchup there. I think Kansas can toss more at you. Do you think Villanova can, you know, weather the storm, you know, with their lack of depth against Kansas? I just think with the way Villanova plays, they're never out of something. I guess it just wouldn't ever surprise me if they're able to win just because of the slow, methodical, just out tough you kind of style that they play. Kansas is more talented. There's there's no doubt about it. And you saw it today when Kansas turns it on and gets right, they're 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 better. I don't think they've played all that well. Up until about the second half of this Miami game, I, I don't think they really played all that well against Creighton. Don't think they really played all that well against Providence. And in the first half, I didn't I didn't I had a weird, dumb feeling that Kansas was gonna blow it and not beat Miami. We were gonna fucking have Miami in the championship game. Like there was that I was having like a I was having like an internal just like freak out. I was like, this can't, this can't happen to us. I think if, if there is a team left with the talent to beat Duke, and if we are in a whatever it takes mode right now, that we, we have, someone has to beat Duke. I think Kansas is the only team that has the actual talent to do it. So I think they're better than Nova. I think they've got more talent. If Abaji continues to play like crap, we need today, like if Abaji plays like he did today where he was aggressive, and looking to get a looking to get out and run in transition, he he's, he brings it defensively. He's good on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and, and if Remy Martin continues to play well, I, I mean, yeah, Kansas has the ammo. We talked about that in the preseason. It was a team that remember you were adding up all the points that they had coming in and, and coming back, and it was like one hundred and twenty or something. Yeah, like and, the, and I mean the same can can be said about Texas too. And where where are they at? Yeah, we're not talking about Texas though. We're talking about Kansas, sure. and, yes. and, and they have. I mean, they have the ammo to do that. And, a lot of those guys haven't really done that, but I think they're. It seems like they're they're starting to maybe come into their own. I think today was a was a good boost for them to kind of get there to get to the final four. They've they've got the talent, so I think the game will. It, it's going to be just interesting to see what the tempo is. Can you? I mean, Kansas wants to play at a play at a pretty fast pace. Villanova plays at the three. They're three hundred and forty fifth nationally in adjusted tempo. Kansas sixty one. Kansas wants to get up and run. So, now I've always said it's easier it's easier to slow teams down than to speed them up. But can Kansas bend Villanova a little bit? That's I guess the that's going to be the big question. Okay. Um, so yeah, well, I think we should uh, we should let's do some predictions for the Final Four. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, we're through two weekends of this tournament. What are some of your like big takeaways? Some of your like favorite sort of stories, um, favorite moments, anything? I don't know what you got to take. Do, do, away. Do, are, are you happy with the four teams we got in the final four? You know, we talk yeah. about how like we don't we like upsets, but not too many. Uh, yeah, you know, we do have an eight seed here. We do have an eight seed in the final four here. 
Uh, we had a 15 seed in the Elite Eight, Elite Eight for the first time. How would you feel about all that? You know, as good as we didn't really talk much about the Sweet 16. The Sweet 16 games I thought were were very good, right? The Arkansas Gonzaga game was was compelling basically the entire way. Michigan uh, Villanova was kind of like eh, whatever. It was kind of an undercard mm-hmm. to that Gonzaga Arkansas one. Texas Tech Duke was was terrific. It that was a good game. Hype. Texas yeah. Tech got sloppy. There's like five moments. Just couldn't hold in. That was yeah. That was their, their defense was good, but there were like at least five times I noticed it was like they'd be passing it, you know, to another guy on their team, and it's like it should be an easy pass, but it's like they almost like had like a miscommunication and like they thought the guy was going to cut one way, but he went the other way and like just threw the pass like three feet away from him. Like pass is so bad they couldn't even get their hands on the ball, like that bad. Butthole, butthole's got a little tight, maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, that was a terrific game, but it was a fun game to watch, you know, especially the beginning when they got out. Really ten- not that good. The what? The Houston Arizona game was surprisingly not all that good. It just felt like Houston was was inevitable, and it was just like, yeah, we're actually going to win mm-hmm. this game. Or the Houston Nova game. Um, I talked about the shooting percentages earlier. We we wanted all the fundamentals, and we got some. There weren't the Elite know, Eight was the, bad. There, there are some jump stops, bigs, but uh, a lot of missed shots as well. Yeah, a lot of missed shots. Uh, the Elite Eight was not good. As good as no. the Sweet 16 was, the Elite Eight, I did not. I, I, I was disappointed, to be honest with you, in the games. And this is hard because I want the games to be really good. I'm emotionally like invested in them being good and me being entertained. I watch. But the Duke-Arkansas game was, I don't know, just wasn't any good. It didn't feel like Arkansas ever was going to win that game. Yeah. It was just rough. What was... What was the most competitive game? It had to be that Houston, uh, Houston Villanova one, and it sucked because it was so unfortunate to watch. Well, and it all—it was another one where too, like just the pace of play. Like Villanova was up eight, and it's just like I think even the announcer said, like this feels like it's about a fifteen-point game because they just, yeah. they just, they they drain the, they're like a boa constrictor, and they just tighten the life out of you, kind of. I don't know. The Elite Eight was disappointing. I think we've got. If you were to tell me at the beginning of the tournament these would be the four teams, I'd be satisfied. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm disappointed the Justin Moore injury. I just think now you, yep. you remove basically Villanova as a legitimate contender to to win the title. I think we're staring down the barrel of a Duke Kansas championship, which is, I guess if if you think about it, those are two of the most talented teams in the country. Why wouldn't we be entertained by that? That should be a competitive game. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm satisfied with the final four. Are you? I mean, you gotta give me a take here. All right. Uh, yeah. So my takeaways, you know, I I enjoyed watching the St. Peter's run. Um, at the same time, I'm very happy my Tar Heels could end it. But you know, just seeing like you know, especially in the NIL days, like, and I don't know how much uh, Doug Eddard got out of his NIL deals at all, but like seeing someone like that who just becomes like a March darling and, and he's able to like you know make a little money off it, I think that's cool. Um, and then. He, Yep, and then even today, like you could see, because I think on Ken Palm, what was their defensive number? 25th in the country in defensive efficiency, and you could see where they get that from. Like they are hounding whoever's holding the ball all game long. So it's fun to watch them play. Um, they couldn't get the buckets. Uh, I kept texting you because I was trying to do the emotional hedge all game um, and tried not to get too excited, and basically just saying I don't know what's going to happen if they start hitting shots here, even as they're up. North Carolina's up twenty. Um, they just couldn't uh, buy one. You're right. That that Indefu yeah. though, that Casey Indefu, he's won the MAC Defensive Player of the Year award like three years in a row. Yeah, that dude, that dude's a stud. He's all over the place on the on the defensive end of the floor. You're right though. Offensively, it was uh, it was it was it was not a good day for them. Yeah, 
And then, you know, the Houston story is another one, and we've talked about it all season long, just what they're able to weather this season with the amount of injuries they had and still um, making it to the Elite Eight and, and like, only losing by six to Villanova. Um, You know, not too much can be said about that. Um, Going back to um, St. Peter's, too, isn't Shaheen Holloway, isn't he? Didn't he already get a new job? Is is it Seton Hall? Yeah, he'll be the Seton Hall. Is that what I saw? Yep. So it's it's nice seeing stuff like that, Um, seeing coaches be able to – you know, get the better job based off all these things. Um, so was the second part of your question? Was it oh, you part? asked me about the takeaways. I guess I, I, I struggle with, I, I am reluctant to usually draw big picture, big big picture takeaways from, from single elimination tournament stuff. Like, I, I don't know if it's like a, we need to have a referendum on this certain thing. I, I'll, I'll let the columnists do that kind of stuff. I know the officiating has been, then the the called into question that's been a huge Ch- one. Like, Chet, Chet Holmgren getting five fouls and like, like they showed the replay of all five of them, uh, in just one video and they all five looked questionable at best. Yeah, and, and I, I think it was on it was somebody else who said like if, if Chet Holmgren just grabs his nuts and falls over instead of jumping straight up, they're all offensive fouls. And that's yeah. just where we're at with these officials and yeah, you know it's it's. Um, it's and then th- there's yeah. the replays for absolutely everything. It's getting it's getting to be too much in my mind. Yeah, officials are, are terrified to make bang-bang uh, calls, even though they make bang-bang calls the entire game. It, the, yeah, replay is just – it's such a crutch. That's become a thing in every single sport where there's just – there's too much replay. Uh, no. the, the comeback then, of course, is, well, do you want to get it wrong? And, uh, of course, nobody wants to get it wrong. Right? I just so, don't like it. So there's a one last week weekend. Who are the two teams playing? I don't remember. But there's one where a guy was passing it to the wing and the defender got his hand on it. But then, like, after it hit his hand, it hit the offensive player's hand and went out of bounds. Uh, I believe they called it to go to stay on the offensive side, so it was the wrong call. They go to replay, and I text you, and I go, if this takes longer than 30 seconds, like, that's what's wrong with replay system. Uh, yeah. two, or three, two or three minutes later, they finally came back. They got the call right, but it should not take that damn long. That's the problem, yeah, is it just it sucks all the flow out of the game. In um, and, and, and some of these games, I mean – Maybe my big picture takeaway, the biggest picture takeaway thing, and, and this is probably something that's been happening, I feel like, since before the tournament started, but offense. It just feels like offense is bad right now across college hoops. Teams are teams really struggle offensively. Some of these teams that – some of these really good teams are just – offensively, they're just not very good. you know. And, and I've got a bunch of different reasons for why I think offense in general around college hoops is just not as good as it used to be, but um, – that's maybe the biggest one. It's hard for some of these teams to score. Yep. It, you saw that. In, in, I mean, obviously the Villanova-Houston game, but I mean, it just seems like a lot of these games, these teams just can't buy one. And I know some of the talk is like the, the college, the ball that they're using is maybe different or something. But, it's too orange. Uh, yeah, but we saw that all season. There are teams that just, I think uh, they settle for bad shots. Teams just don't space the floor well. Um, they're, they're just not very good offensively. And so... I don't know. We talk about how the officiating is terrible, and and maybe maybe that's part of it is that the game is being officiated where there's just too much physicality and contact, and that's a thin line. Like I don't know where to draw the line because I do want I don't want it to be the NBA. I've said that hundreds of thousands of millions of times. I don't need to watch 120 to 118 every single night, but I mean some of these some of these games are it, it is it can be tough offensively. It's just it's it's a slog for a lot of people. Yeah, and then I do remember at the other part of the question, um, you asked me about what I think about these uh, these final four teams, and I do like them. Um, we have you know four teams who are 
you know, up at the top of as far as like, you know, historic programs. Um, three out of the four winningest programs in Kansas, Carolina, and Duke. Uh, Villanova's down at like 19, but they, they've been like one of the better teams of the past, you know, seven, eight season. If not, you, you could probably say the best. Um, two two national titles in a in a three year window, and then like they have other years where they're either like a one or a two seed. Uh, so they've definitely been one of the better ones. And then you know, you think about it, and three of these four head coaches are future Hall of Famers. Um, and then the fourth is taking over for Hall of Fame coach, um, and is in, in his first season. So, you know, I think you know, yes, we have an eight seed, but I I, I do like the teams that we got here, and even that eight seed, we've talked about it before, like. When they're firing all cylinders, they can play with anyone. So yeah, it's not an eight seed in talent. Yeah, exactly. And they're just an eight seed that is playing the best this year at the right time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's. Uh. You know, we have four teams left. We have um at five oh nine, and I think it's like seven forty nine. Why do they do that? Are they like car salesmen? You know, like instead of pricing a car at like forty thousand dollars, they'll do like thirty nine nine fifty or something like that. Yeah. Like instead of like five five ten, it's five oh nine, and instead of seven fifty, it's seven forty nine. Well, it's like that extra point nine when you're getting gas. It's like three eighty nine 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 nine. Where is that? What's that from? Um. Yeah. Give me some predictions here, Biggs. Who do you think is going to win? Um. What do you think? What do you think like the game flow is going to be like? Is it going to be like you know ten point wins in any of these games, or do you think that's going to be be like where you have to foul at the end and someone has to make the free throws to win? Without really going through anything, without giving it a ton of thought, right now, just gun, just shooting from the hip, I'm going to say Duke beats North Carolina, uh, 82-73. It's a, it's a nip and tuck game, played within a six-point window for the first 32 minutes. Duke stretches it out just methodically over the final few minutes. Carolina can't uh, can't keep up. That's my guess in that one. Okay. Um, maybe AJ Griffin knocks down a couple threes. Cause I swear that guy, like every time he shoots, he, he does not miss. It's ridiculous. And then Kansas Nova. Well, that's the first one. Actually, the Kansas Nova is the underdog, yep. of course. Yep. Um, which they, they had already announced that Kansas Nova one would be first, like before the Duke or the North Carolina St. Peter's game had ended. And it's no matter what time Duke, Duke was always going to be in the second game. I, I thought it would have been wise of them to, like, say if it was Duke-St. Peter's, I thought it would have been wise to have, you know, I can't spill Nova be the second game in that case. But whatever. I'm not really? a TV Really? Why? Yeah. Because I, like, I feel like you put the best expected game last. No. You don't think no, so? No, you put the one that's going to draw the biggest ratings last. I think that, yeah. That's is the Duke ultimate David versus Goliath it, it, game. Yeah, that's a good point, I guess. Or North Carolina. It's just Duke. Duke will always draw the biggest ratings. It just is what it is. It sucks. It's like the Lakers and LeBron. You're always going to put them on uh, the big thing, and that's it's Duke. And you know we can't complain. North Carolina gets gets a lot of that treatment or has in the past, and that's that's what Duke is right now. Duke will always, no matter who they're playing, draw the biggest crowd. So, yeah, I I I, I don't like it. I'm with you. I think the game probably would, I'd rather watch. You know, like like last weekend when it was Duke uh, Michigan State in like that big prime window. It's like, can we put a game that actually like I don't know I want to watch in that time? But uh, that's not how TV operators work. So yeah, Kansas Nova. I tend to think Kansas will win. I think it's going to be a lot like the Houston Nova game where it'll be kind of maybe a little bit disgusting. Um, I'm going to say Kansas sixty-two, Villanova fifty-two, but it never really feels like a Villanova win. Okay. And then for the championship. 
Duke over Kansas. Armageddon. Coach K. Did you know it's his final year? His final game. He gets to go out on top with a win over Kansas. Bill Self bends the knee, talks about all the things that Coach K has done for him and his career. Uh, Every single player has to get interviewed, asked about Coach K and his career. Um, It's amazing. We're all Coach K fans because why wouldn't we all just be rooting for the story? Because I really care about the story and not the actual game. I just watch for the story. Uh, Duke will win 74-63. Wow. So would you rather have Duke win it all, uh, K is like happy, he gets to ride off into the sunset with the national title, but he stays retired, or North Carolina beats them, he says, you know what? I'm not done. I'm pulling a Tom Brady. I'm coming back one more year. And we I have would, to do this whole thing over again. I will never cede victory. I will always say, nope, nope, I want them to lose. It's always that chase, especially when you get into a single elimination tournament. Nothing is ever promised. 2015 Kentucky team, I was 100% sure that they would win the national title, finish the season undefeated until they lost at the final buzzer against Wisconsin. I thought that team would win the entire thing. Duke's roster, the way it's setting up next year, probably going to be something similar to that, where they are going to be absolutely loaded. Coach K could come back. They would be the preseason number one team. They'll be heavily favored, but I will never, uh, never say getting a championship is better than not. I would love to see North Carolina beat Duke. Uh, that would just be – I never. I don't want to live in a world where North Carolina doesn't beat Duke. We're, I, I think we're going to, but uh, never, give, never, never give in. That's what I say. Always fight. Okay. All right. For me, let's see. I'm going to start in different order than you did. Um, I think that Kansas and Nova game, I think it's going to be close throughout. Villanova is shorthanded, but, you know, they will, like you said, probably employ an iron, iron five here. And because of that iron five, I think they will keep it short, keep it close for about 32 to 35 minutes. Um, and part of keeping it close will be because I think Oshaya Baji will still, you know, be a little cold. Uh, he'll be missing some shots. Um, but Villanova is going to run out of juice. Uh, late, you know, playing, you know, five, six guys, uh, 35 plus minutes, and they're going to lose 68 to 63. And then on the other side um, with Duke versus North Carolina, and, you know, it's going to be, I do think it's going to be more like the uh, the second matchup they had this year um, in which North Carolina was victorious. I think it's going to be close throughout. Um but at the end of the day, I think that Duke just has too much star power. Um, and I think Caleb Love is going to, at some point, he, he's going to make he's going to, yeah, he's going to shoot them out of the game. Um, he's going to get too confident. He's going to make like his first two threes of the game and then think, okay, this is enough ammo where I can just shoot it every single time I touch it for the next 38 minutes. Like it's me versus and, Apollo. Yeah, basically. And I'm going to ride. Winner, winner gets drafted. Going to ride into the sunset, be picked in the top, uh, I don't know, First round, I'm going to launch this game into a first round based on my first two minutes in which I have six points on two threes, and then he's going to finish uh, four of 18. For... He's saving his bullet. He's, he's going yeah. down without any bullets left. He's, he's, yes. he's, emptying, the, he's emptying the clip. Yes. <laughs> 26 um, but, shot attempts. But thankfully, my boy Brady Manick with that flowing hair is going to keep it close. Uh, he's going to have 25 points. And he's going to keep it close throughout. But like I said, Jeremy Roach is going to get clutch. The detail um, on this is impressive. Jeremy Roach is going to get clutch at the end again. He's going to hit some fadeaways like he did against Texas Tech late in the game. And you're going to wonder, like, where did this come from? Oh, wait, he was um, a five-star. That's how. Yeah. 
<laughs> Joey Baker is going to come off the bench, have 12 points on four threes. He's going to have the Grayson Allen game. Uh, and then national title. Um, national title, Oshai Abaji will find his shot again. He's going to go off for 31 points. Uh, Kansas is going to spoil the retirement tour. Um, and Bill Self's going to get title number two by a score of 81 to 77. We will owe it to Kansas. We will become, I will become a Kansas fan. Yes, I will too. And, and even if it's that, even, even if it's that way, um, you know, Dean Smith is started off at Kansas. Roy Williams started off at Kansas. It's almost like it's a North Carolina win still. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Kansas yeah. Basically is North Carolina. They're yeah. just North Carolina North. Yes. Um, I also like the potential storyline of Hubert Davis, um, my boy Hubie. Ugh. You know, he's he's on that first name basis. He's the most famous Hubie of them all. Um, no. Hubie, he, what? He, 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 Hubie Brown, move on over. <laughs> but a possible North Carolina Kansas game, Hubie Brown in his first season as coach going up against the former team of his predecessor for the national title. You've said nothing about Jay Wright. Hmm. Now you, you're you all about Hubie, but not Jay Wright, huh? Jay Wright could go for his third national title. He could. You're such a Carolina homer. <laughs> I feel like I've actually been quite reserved on Carolina today. No, uh, yeah, that's true. You, when you're when you're breaking down the Dontrez Styles plays for uh, for him, and then uh, uh, you can't name uh, some of those other guys. Uh, I'm like, oh boy, he's going Carolina here. <laughs> okay. All right, should we get out of here? Okay. Yep. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. We have a final four um, starting, you know, Saturday. And we just want to say enjoy this. We have three games left. Only um, three games, John. Three games Cloudy left. Cloudy will be my heart here in about a week and change. It's winding down. I know. It's winding down. We have to embrace it because yeah. after this, there is no more. No more joy for the next seven months. It, it's like when you're sitting there thinking at, you know, Thanksgiving, like, oh, there's one more pie. There's one more pie, like when I grabbed my last piece of pie, but then, you know, Uncle Dave swiped it up in between, you know, that time, like you just ran out. So embrace that pie. That's me with the dark meat. Like when the dark meat's gone, it's like, oh, okay, because I don't need to be here anymore. I guess I need to go to the white meat, but loaded up with gravy. Yes. <laughs> Thumb my nose at that white meat. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. All right. Bye.